We're starting from a couple lines down here. The Mishnah told us that if an ox that belongs to a Jew gores the ox that belongs to a guy, the Jew is potter. But if the other way around, the inverse, if the ox of a guy gores the ox of a Jew, so it has a chumrah, even if the ox was a tam, the guy has to pay full damages. Obviously, this is talking about uh, a time in Jewish history when the guy were subservient to the law of the Jews. We're being mechai of the guy to pay us nasik shalom. So Amri, they say, in the Gemara Manav Shach, what's the pshat over here? If you understand the drasha of Re'ehu to be literal, the Pasuk indicates, we're talking about two friends. So a friend might be the exclusion of a guy. The Kanani, you're not going to show Nami Lifter, so it should be the other way around as well. When a Kanani ox cores the Jewish ox, it should also be Pasuk. And if you say Re'ehu is Lavdafka, and it's talking about any two people, so even if the ox of a Jew cores the ox of a, of a, of a guy, the Jew should also be liable. What's the difference between, between the Jew damaging a guy and a guy damaging a Jew? We look at a pasuk here. It says Hashem judges the land he sees and he's he releases the Goyim. So what exactly is talking is it talking about a pasuk here in Chavakar? What does it mean he releases the Goyim? The Ebush sees the Shavu Mitzvahs that were given to the Goyim. These are the the, the 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 seven mitzvahs that everyone has to keep. He sees that they didn't keep them. So the punishment for that is that the Ebeshah was matir, their money, for Kla Yisrael. So what exactly does that mean? Does it mean that we could go ahead and steal this and that? Or maybe you're released in the sense that um, that over to Kla Yisrael, we don't have to pay them for the damages that they do to us, but that, that, that we do to them, but they have to, but they have to pay us fully for the damages that they do to us. So what, what we're, we're trying to come out, the Re'eo really could be literal, and that's why we're positive if we damage them, but because they didn't keep the Shevim Mitzvah Zmini so there's a penalty here on the, on the Goyim that they have to pay for all damages to us. So it says that he reveals himself for our Paran. Um, so basically this is the idea, Hashem offered the Torah to other nations and they all refused. And then he eventually comes to us. So what exactly is this refusal? So we say, he, he reveals the money over to Kali Yisrael. It's a very similar sort of drasha that even though Kanani is not Re'ehu, but there's a penalty that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was matter the money of the Goyim over to Kali Yisrael, that Kali Yisrael uh, is able to, to recover their losses when a guy's animal if a Jewish ox gores the ox of a guy, the Jewish exempt. But the other way around, if the ox of a Kanani gores the ox of a Jew, even if it was just a Tamashan, the guy owes full damage. We bring both of the Psukim that we said here before. Says the Why do you need two Psukim? If there's one source, why do you need another source? Says the Maybe you'll argue. Maybe it's necessary. To teach us other things from what Ramasa and Rav Yosef said. So we'll, we'll get into what Ramasa and Rav Yosef are. But just if you're going to make that argument, so we make the other drasha. My Rav Masa, what is the drasha Rav Masa we're referring to? Rav Masa, Amar Bavavavid Aretz Rav. Ma Rav, what is Akalish Baruch Hussi? Rav, Sheva Mitzvah, Shinistaf Levinach. He sees the seven mitzvahs that were given to Vinach, that they don't keep. The punishment is, is that he was mocked to them, he exiled them. In this interpretation, it means to become um, exiled. So Rashi gives examples where we see this happening to different nations of the world with their exiles. So Vayatr means to be exiled. Where do we see Vayatr can have the connotation of an exile? We're talking about here the Shrats and the, 
It says that they have, that that is that they jump with them on the earth. So it means to jump from one place to another place in that context. So to be means to jump. It's like exile. Nations are jumping from one place to another. My dear Rav Yosef, what was the other statement from Rav Yosef that the Pasuk could have been alluding to? Tom Rav Yosef, Aras, Mubed, Aras, Ra, says he judges the land, he sees and he releases the Gaim. My Ra, what does Hashem see? Ra, Hashem, Mizra, Shekib, Al, Meginach, he sees the seven Mizras that the Gaim accepted, below Kimam and still didn't keep them. Amar, Vehetir, and Lahem. Hashem is matter them for that meaning. He says that don't worry about it. Um, the mitzvahs no longer apply to you. So because they weren't keeping the Shemitzvahs when they know how, so now the Goyim don't have them anymore. So that's the Gemara. The obvious question, what did they gain? You become free from the obligation and now free from any punishment if you don't keep them. That means that the sinner profits by sinning. It doesn't make sense that they should lose the obligation because they haven't kept them. Amar Marba, you know, Lomar comes to tell you, even if now the Goyim do fulfill the Shemitzvahs, they don't receive reward. So that's the point. It doesn't free them from a punishment if they do the wrong, but it means that it releases from the obligation in the sense that they don't get schar for keeping them. Says the Gemara below, is it true that a guy does not get schar for keeping the Shemim Mitzvah? Where do we learn? Even in Naju, if you learn Torah, he could be like the Kohen Gadol. So what exactly does that mean? It means that he receives reward that's like the Kohen Gadol for studying, um, for studying the Torah. So it says that the person performs them and he will live by them. It doesn't say should do them. It says all mankind, even including non-Jews. Says Ramea, this teaches us. We see that even a non-Jew, if he studies Torah, he's like a Kohen Gadol. So we see from here that non-Jews do receive reward for keeping Hashem's Torah. So what's going on over here? What are we saying that they can't get reward if they do get reward? Amr, you answer. They do get reward, but they don't receive the special reward like someone who is commanded to do it. They get reward for someone who is doing without being commanded. You get greater reward if you are commanded to do something than if you haven't been commanded to do something. So therefore, yes, it's true that if they're going by their own volition or doing it, so they're going to get reward. And even though Shem Mitzvah, really, they were an obligation, Hashem took away the special reward of Mitzvah Vavosa, and He only gave them the end of Mitzvah Vavosa, since they themselves weren't treating it like commandments, Midah Kenegh and Midah, but the Baisa, they still get some schar. They get the schar of Enu Mitzvah for what they do. So in conclusion, certainly the Shev Mitzvah still apply to the Kayim, but if they do them, they fulfill them, they don't get the Schar as a Mitzvah Vaisa. It says in the price, the Roman government sent two officers, officers to the Jewish people saying, teach us your Torah. They read it once, they reviewed it, and then they read it yet a third time. When they were leaving Amalehem, these Romans said to the Chalim, we have examined your whole Torah and it's all true. Except for this one thing that you say, if you're one of your oxen, of course, our oxen, your potter. But the other way around, that if one of our oxen, of course, your oxen, we have to pay full damages. That's difficult. Then when the Kanani ox, of course, the ox of a Jew, the Kanani should be potter. If the is not literal, so even if the ox of a Jew, of the ox of a Kanani, the Jew should be liable. So therefore, this double standard doesn't make sense. We're not going to reveal the matter to the Romans because we don't want to... Um, oh, so actually what they were saying, I'm sorry, is that the officers were saying that they wouldn't repeat, uh, repeat it over to the to the king so that it wouldn't get, uh, wouldn't get the, the, uh, the, the Jews in trouble for it.
Says the Gemara, Shmuel, his daughter, he died. So he lost his daughter. So said, let's go up and let's do Let's use words to console him. Ula said, what do I have to do with of people of Bava? Ula was from Eretz Yisrael. He was also around Bava. So he was very critical here of the Babylonian practice of the Nechum Avelim. The way you guys do it is just blasphemy against the Edishka. Why? What did they say? What did Babylonians say? They say, what could be done? That's when they say, when they're, when they're, when they're, when they're trying to be Nechum Avelim, they say, you know what? Let's, let's move forward because what can be done anyway? It sounds like what they're saying is, there was something to be due to, if there would be something that we could do to reverse what Hashem decreed, they would do it. And that's Mamash Apikarsis because we should accept what Hashem, what, what, what Hashem does. So he, Ula was therefore critical of the Lashon that the Babylonians would use by Nechum Avelo. So also Ula Chudeg So therefore Ula went to Rishmur Bihidu all alone. He didn't have the Babylonians. Amalei, he said as follows, It says that Hashem told to Moshe, don't oppress Moshe and do not have war against them. Why did Hashem have to sell Moshe? Not to oppress Moshe, not to make war. Why would Moshe have thought to make war against Moshe without the permission of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Must be. That logically, he would have. He said, regarding the Midian. Midian only came to assist Moab. This is the whole story. People Moab became afraid, and there was a whole thing. What should we do? What's advice? And the talks with Moab came that the Midianim they hired Bilam to curse the Jewish people. So, so it was a whole thing. Then instead, it didn't work, and they sent the women to to be Mizan and to do Avodah Zarah, and that was brought about a uh, very successful thing that was done by them and, and brought the Jews down. There was a plague. So over here, what do we see over here? That the primary prayers were Moab. Midian was only a secondary role; they were only advising and helping. Nonetheless, Amar Torah Tzaras Minyan Mikitzim Osam. The Torah says there was a spiritual war against Midian. We have to destroy Midian. So Moshe thought to himself, Moab and Matzim, Tav and Amid Beis Al Koshik, and all the more so that there should be a war against Moab because they were the primary enemy. So that's why Akolish Baruch had given had to tell Moshe, "Don't fight them." And what was the answer? Amalak Akolish Baruch Hu Shalso Tatcha. Not the way that you think, do I think. I don't want Moab to be destroyed. Or Ahmed. Why? Because there are two fine praetors. A praetor is like a bird that I have to bring out from them. These are two special people in the future that are going to come from Moab and Ammon. So because I have to make sure that these descendants come. So therefore Hashem told Moshe not to have wage war against these nations. So we see a very interesting thing. That even for just a small uh, victory was very complicated about what, what's the reason a whole nation is being kept alive because of a few individuals that are to come. So now we get back to the Nihma Avelim. Ula finishes and he says, because of only two fine pigeons here. Hashem has mercy on two huge nations. destroy them. So Pito Sherevi, in regard to my teacher's daughter, Imcheri, had she really been righteous, there would be some righteous thing that would come from her. She would have lived. So therefore, with the point that he's saying is that Hashem would give the nation a whole life because even though they were sinners, because of eventual tzaddik that would come out, certainly would give life to an individual that a righteous person will come. So that's the point is that everything Hashem does with total justice. So it must be that the girl over here there was no reason for her to live further. And it seems that the idea is wasn't necessarily putting down the girl, but he's saying her potential was fully uh, fulfilled in this world, and that's why Hashem took her back, because Hashem always acts with a total sense of justice. 
Mari now continues. Again, there was a war with, with Midian, but then Hashem told Moshe, don't fight Amon and Moab. So the Mar is going to contrast Amon with Moab. Hashem never withholds a reward from any creature. Even just the reward that you get from speaking in a more classy way. Because what we have, Amon and Moab. Amon and Moab both slept with their father. Lot, when they thought the world was being destroyed, and they tried to rebuild from their father. What did they name? She named Moab. Moab means from father. So she was recalling the fact that she had slept with her father. So that was not refined speech. When Hashem said to Moshe not to fight them, he said, don't oppress and don't fight. So we can infer, there's nothing wrong with... Um, we're starting up with them as long as it's not going to lead to you know big fighting. That that that, that that's okay. So in other words, Rashi says, for example, they can force people from Moab to supply them with bread and water. However, the younger daughter, she called that Amon, Benami, son of my people, which is not explicitly referring to the illegitimate origins of her kid. You should get an opposite the children of Amon. Don't oppress them. Don't incite against them. Meaning, don't do anything against them. Don't even ask them for bread and water. So this shows that the reward for Amon was greater for Moab because Amon spoke in a non-classy way and Amon spoke in a classy way, and Moab spoke in a non-classy way. A person should always be the first in a mitzvah thing. The older daughter, which is Moab, was one night before the younger daughter. So because she went first, she preceded her by four generations in order to join Klai Yisrael. What does that mean? Because the older daughter, how did that come to Klai Yisrael? It was Ovid, Yishai, David, and Shlomo. Ovid, Yishai, David, and Shlomo. That was the Rus, who was from Moab. She has Ovid. The father of Yishai, the father of David, the father of Shlomo. So now, it's just a few generations in, and she's got a king over here. Whereas for the younger one, it takes Rechavam, the son of Shlomo. So it takes longer for the people from Ammon to join into Kaisal than the people of Moab. So it's very interesting. Who was better, Ammon and Moab? They're different, right? One was rewarded by... by, by um, Klai so not even be able to ask them for bread and water. That's uh, that's Amon because they were more classy and dignified in their speech. But on the other hand, Moab gets a great reward that they join Klai so first because they 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 went quicker to the mitzvah. So that's the Gemara. Tan Rabbanon says in a price. The ox of a Jew, of course, the ox of a kusi. So kusim are complicated. Kusim are not necessarily regular guys. They were brought in to live in in. Uh, in, in, in Eretz Yisrael after the ten tribes were exiled and Hashem sent lions to attack them and then they, they converted but it's not clear exactly if their conversion was valid so it says that if our ox cores their ox potter the Jew is exempt but the other way around, the ox of Kusi, of course, the ox of a Jew, Tam Shalom Chatzinezek. If it's a Tam Face Chatzinezek, Mon Shalom Nezek Shalom. So according to the Tana Kama, it's exactly treated like a regular full fledged Jew over here. That's the Tana. This Tana is the opinion Kusim are regular good Gerim. So. So over here, what we're saying is, um, it should be the regular Jews and should be regular treated, therefore, like regular regular Jews. And that's why if they gore us, the Tom wasn't But nonetheless, if one of our oxen gores their ox, the Jew is exempt. What's the pshat in this? So the idea is that we don't want Jews to marry these these kusim, even if they're technically Jews, because they do have a Nazara. So it's a penalty, it's a penalty was, was against them on a monetary way, so therefore it's, you know, trying to drive a wedge between the Kuzim and Kala Yisrael so that we won't be as close to them. So this new decree that the Rabbana made was limited to someone who damages a Kusi. There we go, and we say we, penalty, we penalize them, they don't collect damages from us, that will drive a wedge between us. But the Rabbana did not go so far to say that a Kusi has to pay full damages if the ox is done by his time. So in summary, 
If you have a kusi, what are they? The Tanakama holds they are Jewish. However, in order to, to create this wedge, drive the wedge between us and them, that we shouldn't marry people who do Avodah Zarah, uh, there was a penalty which was made. If we core their oxen, we are exempt. Rabbi Meir, or Rabbi Meir disagrees. If we core their oxen, we are potter. In the opposite way around, even if it's their ox, they have to pay Nazik Sham. So Rabbi Meir is saying, Kusim have to pay for full and damage if it's done by Tom. What's the pshat? Pashtus, this would be because of the general penalty that's on all non-Jews. So Pashtus, Rameir is, is coming to argue. He says, I old Kusim are non-Jewish. Their conversion was never good. So Frakti Gemar, is that true? The name of says, Rameir hold that Kusim are Giri Arayos. In other words, their conversion is just from the lions. It's not a good conversion. Ramini, we see different in the Mishnah. Kolak Samabam, to her. So Aksamim, a Kasim is when a woman um, finds a stain on her garment and it, it, it's coming from the uterus. So it's Midrabana and that's Damnida, which is Tamei. So if it's found in a garment, if it comes from Rechem, it's Tahar. So just to clarify, Dami is only from Jews is Tameh. From non-Jews is not Tameh. So the majority of the people of Rechem are non-Jews. So therefore, you can assume that it's a non-Jewish stain. And therefore, it's not Tameh. Rebutim and Tameh says they are Tameh. Really, the people of Rechem were converted to Judaism, and just now, they're not practicing. So therefore, they're not Goyim, they are Jews. If the garments come from amongst non-Jews, they are Tahar. If they come from amongst Jews and from Kusim, Rebbe Meir Matame. Meir says they are Tameh, because when Meir regards Kusim as being Jews, because these groups are, don't have an issue with their stains. What does that mean? They don't have an issue with their stains over here. So, not so clear if it means that they would never leave it in a public place. That's the idea. But Al-Kopanim, what do we see here? That Rameir and the Rabbanon agree that Kusim are considered Jews. They're just arguing whether they would be careful to hide their bloodstained garments. And if therefore it comes from them, would you assume it's from the Kusim or not? Anyways, Al-Kopanim, what do we see? We see that they are Jews. So, if why is Rameir, if Rameir holds that Kusim are true converts, then why is he saying over here, that if a tam ox of a kusi damages our ox, he has to pay nizik shalom. You're right, they're Jewish, but it was extra kanashli, tamabem, so we don't become mixed with them. The Tanakama held the kanas only went one way, that we're part if we damage them. But we don't go so far to say that if their tam ox scores ours, then we pay nizik shalom. Raz, Raz, Raz comes along where Mary says, no, the penalty was even stronger. Even though they're Jewish, we're so important that we drive the wedge between us and the kusim. And therefore we say, if their tam ox scores ours, even though they're Jews, they pay nizik shalom. Masav Rebbe Zeir, the Mishnah says, These are the Naros that have Knas, meaning the, the Torah says if a person rapes a woman, when she's a Nahar, you pay Knas. So these are the Naros who get, who, who get a Knas, even if they're, they're kind of invalid. A Baal Mamzeris, someone who, who rapes a Mamzeris, Baal Nasino, Baal Akusis, he still pays the fine. So what, what do we see from here? And it's Rameir talking over there. So yeah, we see that Rameir made a new knas on the money of Kusim. Why don't we say there should be a knas there as well? That if a person raped the Kusi girl, even though technically he owes the money, there should be a knas. So we don't become mixed with them. We should say that there shouldn't, they shouldn't have to pay the knas on the Kusi. Must be that we see we don't make the knas on the Kusim if they're technically Jewish. So how come over here Rameir is making the knas? There's a big difference. Top of the Manal of Kadesh, Lo Yechoti Neskar. In that case, we're talking about a rapist. We don't want him to profit. So, in, the, in other cases, let's say the Kusi ox damages the ox of a Jew, the penalty is in effect. It's specifically over there. We don't want the rapist to get off the hook because we don't want a rapist to, uh, to gain from the fact that he, 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 it was a Kusi. 
Why don't you just say instead of he shouldn't the rapist shouldn't shouldn't gain, so he'll give it to charity. So meaning to say, don't give it to the kusim then. You could you could fulfill the knas and still fulfill the idea of shleichotinisko. Just say that the rapist should give it to charity. It's No one will claim it. No one will be able to say, oh, I'm the poor person that you owe it to. So we want to make sure that there is a that there's someone who can collect it. That there's there's a baldavar that the rapist clearly owes it to. So to say give it to charity is not good enough because it's momshein lotovim. So therefore, over there we had no choice but to say that the rapist still has to pay when he raped a kusi. Whereas by odds. We um, in other cases the penalty is still in effect, like where the kusi's ox damages the ox of the Jew, it should pay, it should still pay nezek sham. So it comes out that we're saying really the kusim are Jewish, but certainly if we if we gore their ox and make our then we should be chayav. But the rabbanim make knas were potters that we don't come mix with them. The machlokas tanam is if the knas went so far the other way that if their tama ox gores our ox that they have to pay nezek shalim. That ultimately is a machlokas here between Rameir and the rabbanim.